All right, welcome everyone to show number 18. Uh, I want to give a special thank you to our guest from our last show, Ken Reed. Uh, it was a pleasure to have him on the show to share with us how he got into the broadcast journalism, his rise to being a celebrated author, and most importantly, his advocacy for mental health. So today, we've got a really cool guest. Um, he's one of the few people... It's funny, because I would consider him a friend. He may not consider me a friend, but I consider him a friend. Um, we're going to bring him out right now. He's the owner of the Sport Card Expo, Steve. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Hey. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do consider you a friend, and I'm more of a loiterer. So I'm, probably, I'm not a fanboy, but I, I'll just say I'm a fan of yours, and I love what you're doing with the show. And I thought that this would be a neat thing to do. We thought this would be a neat thing to do because the virtual expo is not that far away, and we're like... And we're all really Jones for shows. So this is our way of enjoying that. So want to just talk about that and get an idea of you, the person, Steve. We want to know who Steve is. Who are you as a person? What were you like growing up? Uh, what is that hidden years that no one knows about Steve? And we can learn some, <laughs> some things about it. Right. So tell us about your childhood. Did you collect cards? Like, were you always a collector? Well, I know you're trying to be a collector. But were you a collector? Well, no, it, it's interesting. And uh, and. Yes, I, I, I consider you a friend as well, and I, I'm, um, I'm always a little bit intimidated coming on shows like this because I, I worry probably more so than anybody else does that I'm, I'm not a collector, and so I often struggle with you know, trying to say all the right things and be in the right space. But the, the good thing I think is, and from what I've learned in previous uh, uh, endeavors that I've taken on, uh, like Comic Con and so on, is uh, it's I don't need. I don't need to know more than than anybody else, and it's more about listening to others and understanding. And I often said, and still say, I don't get it, but I I can appreciate it. And I mean, I share it, but I, I appreciate it. And and I always say that about collecting. Uh, I appreciate passion about anything, and I don't care what people are passionate about. So, um, and but more and more, I'm I'm getting uh, uh, I'm getting the itch, I'm getting the bug, and so on. And I this is a lot more organic for me than than. The Comic Con world was. I'll be honest. I mean, it was. Uh, I have a, a, a more. It's an easier transition for me uh, to, to connect in in the sports space. So, um, yeah, no, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't read comics. I didn't game, and I didn't uh, didn't collect cards as a kid. So, you know, the one thing I do remember being a big fan of that I I don't often see these days. I got to check with Bobby Burrell or somebody, but is the NHL power play books. You guys remember those? Yes, I, I do. I thought those were the you know the coolest things uh, ever, but. Uh, uh, no, I'm seeing some great things now, and part of what I love about going to the shows you know, and uh, what I do at the National is uh, I love vintage stuff, and, and I don't like baseball that much as a sport, but I love baseball as, as history, as social commentary, as uh, all the cool things about it. There's a good thing about all of this is if it wasn't for the pandemic, we probably would not have talked as often. Right, so, yeah. probably. Yeah, I don't think we would have. Yeah, actually, because of the whole first virtual and all our conversations around that, uh, Jeremy's show was Sports Card Live, and you came on there, and we did some promo there. We wouldn't have gotten to know you over the last little while. So that, that's actually one of the benefits of having COVID, I guess you could say, for pandemic, I should say, the benefits of getting to know people a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and you actually came in almost at the right time. Like you bought the show. How long has it been since you bought the show? I bought it in late 2015. So. Basically, the start of 2016. So I've done all the shows since 20 from 2016 on. 
So it's almost like a parabolic effect, right? Because you came in in 2016, then it went down, and then and you're on the rise. So now the show's in a really good spot with a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs, free publicity, yeah. the media talking about it. So that should benefit you quite well. And the other comment I want to make was, I'm really happy that you're honest and open about your fact that you're still learning about being a collector because the show's are genuine about it. Yeah. Especially, especially now when people are... They know everything. They're experts behind every corner, and you don't pretend to do that. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, and you know what? I, I've I've dabbled. I'll be on eBay and I'll see something. I'm like, geez, that seems like a good deal. And I'm just <laughs> the price going. I thought maybe I should just check a couple things. And then I I think I, I reached out to you on a couple of those. Yeah. Why is this card so much cheaper than that? Am I truly finding a, a an arbitrage that no one else has seen? And it, usually it's no uh, bonehead. You missed it. The fact that this is a uh, one of ten. Never <laughs> versus a, you know, a a base card, but uh, it's it's fun to learn and and you're absolutely right about the pandemic and uh, you know initially for me I thought this is a big kick in the balls um, I got to be honest you know because I'm in, I'm in the large event business so you know right at the gate I was you know I'm just even some of the financing available from the government and so on and they say well you have to have at least twenty percent uh, uh, revenue reduction well. I kind of over exceeded that. I'm more like 90, percent but my, my point being is that the pandemic really forced me to do a deep dive into the hobby, and I probably would would never have done that uh, if it weren't for the pandemic. Because we all get sort of focused on just what's in front of us, and uh, it's sure. me, and I think it's a lot of people to really look at uh, what what is it we're doing and how and how can I make not just the show but my overall business better. Um, so by understanding the hobby better, by getting more involved with the hobby. You know, the virtual led me to some new, um, uh, new collectors, new friends, new new sponsors. You know, I, we ended up doing the uh, the Beckett Summit last year. We ran that on this Fort Beckett on the same platform that I ran the virtual. So, um, you know, all of a sudden I'm talking to, you know, Fanatics and Panini and um, and Tops and all the companies that I had very hard time getting to, to meet before. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. I, I don't know that I want to ask for another pandemic, but it's been. Uh, I think I've done about as well from it as I can. And thank gosh that the uh, you know the hobby is doing as well as it is. I don't think anybody wants a pandemic. Let's be real about that. Yeah, no. That's not the optimal condition right now. But yeah. there is a positive, and I always try to look at things glass half full. So I am thankful I got to meet you for, for just through that. And there's a fortunate happenstance. The other comment I want to make is innovation comes at desperate times so you're in a position where you kind of have and for everyone who's not aware this is what you do this the show is your bread and butter um you are a sole owner right and you're so and a and, um we won't say small business but you're a business owner i should say so you're feeling all the effects so you're lucky that you're even able to get this far without suffering it too much and hopefully it's we're going around the corner so um so i am thankful i got to meet you well, you know, thanks for saying, and that's that's you mentioned that, and getting you know, again to know and to see um, you know, what Jeremy's doing, what you're doing, and really understanding how important the expo is to you guys and to the tech community has really been a, a you know an awakening for me. I I don't think that I really appreciated how important it is, and I don't mean just financially. I mean just from a social standpoint, from a you know just it's really uh, it, it gives me a lot more. Uh, energy and, and passion for it and I want to make sure that this is the right thing for you guys in the best possible way so uh, that's that's I've been really grateful for that awesome so yeah. 
What was it about Expo that made you want to buy it and take it over from Al Sinclair? And for those who don't know Al Sinclair, Al Sinclair is a legend in his own right. Um, he was the he was a kind gentleman to me, but to some people he was a bit of he could rub people the wrong way. But I appreciated him. So yeah. how did this? How did you? First of all, how did you go from Fan Expo, which I consider a Rolls Royce of shows, and come over to Virtual Expo? Uh, sorry, the actual Expo, and then eventually Virtual Expo, and make it the Rolls Royce that's becoming. Well, yeah, and thanks for saying. And I, uh, again, I, I sort of fell into the Fan Expo piece. I was actually, I'm from the sports marketing and sponsorship world. That's what I've been doing mostly. Um, and I was actually living in California for a while. I was working with uh, Mark Burnett, if you know who he is. And it's hard not to with uh, you know, Survivor, Eco Challenge, uh, The Apprentice, all of those shows. Um, and for a variety of reasons I won't bore you with, uh, I ended up coming back to, uh, to Canada and was looking for some other things to create and to own. Um, and I ended up being in the video gaming space, uh, working, frankly, on the, the first competitive uh, video gaming league called Major League Gaming. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up, uh, a young guy that worked for me who was really dialed into the gaming space and just the you know, pop culture space said, hey, we should go to Fan Expo and, um, and, and exhibit there and sponsor it. Uh, and so that's how I came to know it. And you know, right out of the gate, I was, holy shit, like this is – this is the biggest show you've never heard of. And I, I kind of, mm -hmm. that was how I described it to you know, other to corporations and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and really for me, it was the same thing that I saw when I first went to Fan Expo is what I saw at, at Sport Card Expo is there's nothing here. And for me, there, as, a, as an outside guy, there's nothing here. Like there's nothing big and shiny and fancy. And if, you ever, if you've ever been to San Diego Comic-Con, it is, and it's become everything in the hobby. So every studio, every... Uh, you know, yeah. distributor, every um, imaginable company, anything to do with entertainment is there. Um, the, but it started out as a, as a comic show. And with Fan Expo, when I got there, it was just, let me say just, but it was artists in the artist alley and it was um, comic book dealers and, and uh, pop culture dealers. Uh, but they had a tremendous big following. And there's all these sub communities and, and subcultures within it, which is fabulous. Um, and talk about passion. I mean, super passionate folks that like they're fully committed. Um, so anyway, I, I started to work. I started to talk to the owner um, of, uh, of Faxpo, uh, and he and I became pretty close. And we started to work together. We made kind of an instant good. We worked together for a number of years. Um, Faxpo got to be so big is at the convention center that they said, "Okay, you've got too many people. The fire um, department is, is giving us a hard time. We're going to shut you down." Next year, you've got to move into the entire facility. So you can't just be in the right. same. And that was really what prompted it. And Amon, who started Faxpo, was actually in the, in the sports hobby uh, before he started that. So as a 16, 17-year-old kid, he was setting up signings at hotels by the airport and, and that kind of stuff. So you know, we started to brainstorm, how do, we, how do we fill the full space, which in hindsight wasn't really an issue. And he said, well, why don't we look at doing sports? So back in 2012, we actually approached Al about buying the show under Fan Expo banner. Um, and he just, although he was open to it, he just it didn't happen. He just decided not to. So, um, you know, fast forward in 2013, we did a sports component to Fan Expo that some of the, the uh, you watchers and so on may, may have been to. Um, and it was reasonably successful. Um, but the Fan Expo kept growing that we didn't need it in the following year. And frankly, it was harder to do with it. So uh, we went back on a Fan Expo. Um, Fast forward a couple of years, Fan Expo got sold, bought by a big you know, global um, publishing and event company. 
Um, I worked for them for another year and then you know, they kind of said, thanks, we got this. And uh, so I decided at that point, I went back to Al and said, hey, are you still interested? He said, yeah. And then within, you know, I think three months, we had done a deal to, uh, uh, to buy the show. So uh, that's, uh, that's awesome because it was, uh, you completely breathed some fresh air into it. There was a very much a, an old school um, type of approach to the hobby at that point. So it was good to, to see that. Um, one funny comment is I'm glad you never got into cosplaying hockey players, although there are some people that do cosplay as <laughs> hockey players at the, at the, at the show and some do a really good, bad job of it. Um, yeah, right. you know, it's, it's funny cause we kind of debated like, how is that going to be when the two uh, merge? Is it oil and water? Is it, you know what? There's a lot more, I think in common than people acknowledge in terms of the fandom, like fandom, it's a pretty fine line between sports fandom and comic fandom i gotta be honest it's you still dress up you still you know um yeah. but there there's as, as you know absolute divides that just don't ever merge it was kind of funny at the one at the event we had in 2013 the guest list was like off the charts i mean we had yep i was there yeah body or gordy how joe sackick uh, uh connor mcdavid um uh gosh we had um rudy we had uh, willie schumacher the secretary of jockey we had yep. uh, um sorry not to uh, but we also had uh, Joe Montana, Hulk Hogan, Joe Montana. Hulk Hogan, yeah. Yeah. At one point, uh, you know, mixed along with you know, Alice Cooper and some of the cast from Walking Dead. And, um, and at one point, Joe said, yeah, I'd like to really walk around. And, uh, and he kind of said, but I, I should have some bodyguards and stuff. And, well, you may not need it. And he literally walked around Thanksville with barely anybody even. Joe and I actually almost collided into one another. At the, himself, at, yeah, at that oh, expo. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was kind of cool. But, um, yeah, again, I, I think it helps sometimes that I'm not really into it because I don't get sort of you know, distracted by um, by that piece. So I try and do the right thing. But, uh, anyway, I forgot what the original question was that had me explaining all that. But <laughs> so no, we were asking how you got into taking over the show and right. we had to cosplay. Um, oh, yeah. You yeah. know the funny thing about Joe Sackick and all those players not at that time i wasn't in the financial situation i was now to take advantage to get all those autographs but yeah i remember <laughs> joe Mon uh, joe montana was walking around yep. like just walking around and these yep. these cosplayers had no idea who he was and i'm like if you were in anywhere else oh, i remember yeah. joe sackick a girl uh, in front of me she was she was doing something and she asked and i happened to be right there and she asked joe to hold her drink <laughs> he's like, can you hold my drink? And he's kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll hold a drink. And I remember looking at him, going, "You don't even know who this is." That's funny. Um, yeah, but uh, it was it was a that was a good show. It opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I was a fan expo attendee for a long time. Yeah, I want to quickly say hi to a few people. Dennis, uh, thanks yeah. for joining. Dennis does every show, so thank you for that. Uh, Yannick as well, thank you for coming by. Um, just so you know, the Islanders just beat the Penguins. That's Richie, uh, by the way. That's so this is Richie. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yep. <laughs> Richie's very happy. And Richie, we miss you too. And uh, we're going to get into it today, but we might be actually, we will talk up a touch upon the actual show. You might see you sooner than you think. So, um, so when you, so you did touch already on some of the changes you made and you talked about some of the synergy between Fan Expo and, yeah. and the physical show, hockey show, the, sorry, the sports card show. What what other changes have you yet to add that you want to do to make things better? Have there things you've thought about? Like, are there things you can share with us that you've thought about that you've learned through you know time through the pandemic, 
I mean, obviously, the virtual is one accented, accentuate, accent piece to the live show. Um, but I just want to give you a chance to comment on that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll touch on the virtual stuff in a second because I think that there will be a lot of um, long-term um, changes uh, because of the pandemic and some of the other things that we've done in, in the interim. But, you know, initially, I mean, it, and I don't like to take too much credit because, you know, and as Al Sinclair even said at the time, he said, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, almost 30 years and I'm kind of, I, I know I'm mailing it in and, and, you know, he was getting you know, grumpier every year and just didn't, didn't want to be there. And Is he uh, really? No, <laughs> you don't say. A, a lot of the things that were really rocket science, but just listening to people and just, you know, how do you feel about being here until Friday, until nine o'clock on a Friday and a Saturday? You know, do we really need that? You know, is there any, is there any value to it versus, you know, so a lot of just making it easier on you guys. How can we make, move in easier and smoother and just you know communicate more often and better you know the website was i think probably one of the first three ever designed on the internet so that was an easy easy fix and you know, there were those kinds of things um but a lot of it again for i know you guys have both been but if anybody has never been to a comic-con or, or, or a fan expo it is absolutely a first-rate event in terms of the fan experience and that's what it's all about um, and many people predicted, you know, with online, the death of, you know, massive in-person events like that, but not at all. It's just, there's that sense of community that you can't replace. And people, even through pandemic, have talked about our show is going to come back. And, and in some industries and so on, they won't, particularly kind of uh, more trade shows and so on. But uh, as we know, it, it'll absolutely stay with us here. But the experience that you get with the, uh, with the, the celebrities, whether you're, voice actors that uh, you wouldn't know if you tripped over them or sure. guys like Will Shatner or any of those, you get to see them up close. You get to hear them tell stories you'd never otherwise hear. And you get to share that with like-minded fans. And that's the kind of thing that has always been missing, at, I think, at, at sports shows. And a lot of it has to do with just the basic economics. Um, and when you get a guest to come to Fan Expo or Comic-Con, they're usually there most, in most of the cases for the entire weekend. Here's the financial deal and here's how it works versus um, you know, the sports guys are used to being paid on a per piece basis and everyone's pretty myopic around how they look at it. And you know, it's not, hey, you know what, if you do this radio hit for us the week before, it's gonna bring more people, it's gonna benefit you as well. And, but it's not, that's not the contract, it's not how we do it. And it's just, and it's, it's self-perpetuating because you know, the players think that way because the agents have drilled that into their head because, you know, and, and so on. So I, one of the first things I did, I started to put the stage up and to do Q and A's, I remember, um, you know, Bobby Hull did my very few first Q&A that I did. And Bobby Hull was, was my dad's favorite player. So it was really cool for me to sit and listen and hear him tell stories. And I just thought, you know what, this is great. It sh the experience there shouldn't have to be about everything is transactional. You know, there should be things that I don't mean to say necessarily that are free, but that, that frankly are, are free. And quite honestly, that becomes more self-serving anyway, because people spend more time there. You know. Some of the stats I was able to glean from from Fanexco were amazing in terms of the number of hours people spent and how many days and oh, yeah. um, and even I mean the one that blew my mind over a four day weekend I don't know if I should be saying this or not but yeah over a four day weekend the last show that I did there was 1.8 million dollars withdrawn from the ATMs on site I believe it at I believe that and that's you know consider 50 percent of the people have bought their tickets in advance it doesn't count what was in their wallets it doesn't count you know, visa and credit and all that. So just like people, I have no problem spending, but it's it's about I think getting 
and giving value. So Steve, Steve I will say I'm guilty of because uh, every year I get the four day pass. So <laughs> yeah, no, and, and it and it's great, and and that's what I want to make for for this, and just the idea of you know, having you know cool swag and and uh, you know uh, exclusives, you know, and, and Upper Deck's been great about yeah. doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's I'm actually you know, building more of that. I built a tiny bit into the last uh, virtual, and I've got another um, uh, intro coming into virtual for June. But to to create that same, and I don't mean economy, but that same experience. Where one of the things you did too was that I noticed that you started doing trade nights, like towards the end of the show, and that was something that I heard a lot of feedback that collectors really enjoyed. They were able to trade with one another towards the end of the show. Yeah, again, really, nothing I've done is is revolutionary in, in most of my career. But I actually look into other industries and so I want to see what's cool and, and does it apply and can it can it carry over? I didn't invent trade night, but I saw it at the national the year before. I thought, yeah, that's a that's a great idea. You know, it's again, it's you look at what's happening organically within the hobby and how can you build on that or borrow from it. And um, yeah, it's not it's not IP and and but it's it's work. And uh, you know, I'm doing some similar things with the next virtual, which we'll we'll get into. But uh, so I just think that whole think of from a collector standpoint and ask people what what they want and um, and try and deliver it. What. I, I, before you go on, Kent, I'm, oh, yeah. I want to know if you could actually touch upon any comical. Don't have to name the player or the person. Person, comical writers. Anything in the writer you wrote, you had to write in, and you're like, really? Um. Well, I mean, you get some of the classics. So, uh, Kevin Smith. Um, he did Fan Expo, gosh, back in early on for me, maybe 2009 or something. So I had only been there a couple of years. First of all, I had to look up who Kevin Smith was. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's how much of a, uh, of a non-fan I, I was. But, you know, in, in, in the old days of Kevin Smith, he had a typical writer of X number of bottles of this type of vodka and, you know, all of these kinds of things. And it was, you know, it was, I think, partially intentionally obnoxious just because he could. Um, but that was that, and you just you, you took it or you didn't, and it was with uh, Jay as well. That's why I almost Jay. So that was there, and then but I, I mentioned that one because when I started Windsor Comic Con after I, I, I left Fanex, I started a small show in Windsor, and uh, uh, Kevin Smith was one of the guests I decided to, to bring in, and he had gone through kind of a personal change over the years. He, as we all do, we age, we get married, and so on, and I think he either his doctor, his wife, or just his conscience said, you can't keep living like this. Yeah, yeah. He did a, a, a massive uh, uh, change in his lifestyle. And, you know, his rider then was, yeah, I need some, you know, organic whole milk. I need, you know, some uh, this. You know, there was still obviously the, I need local weed and that kind of thing, but that was okay. Um, and I tell you, I became a huge Kevin Smith fan after the, when he did my show in, in uh, 2015. I'll, and I'll tell you a brief, funny story. It was, it was so great. We had to go and get some photos signed in his room upstairs. And of course, and I, and I don't smoke and I don't begrudge anybody that does, but Kevin obviously does. It's He's, he's like a snoop in that sense, or Seth yeah. Rogen. And so he, he lights up a fatty from the uh, you know the local guy that brought it for him. And, and it's like, I'm just getting smoked out. <laughs> I have to get these things signed. So then he gets fired up. And then we go down to the, the, the room and he starts he starts to talk. And you know these things, people line up in the middle of the aisle to be able to ask a question. Uh, and his, his rider specified 90 minutes. 
um, he would talk for, for 90 minutes, including Q&A and everything else. There were still people there 90 minutes in. There were only four people lined up um, because they, they kind of capped the line. Those Three of those four people were still there because he was still on the first question. But he did not take a break for three hours. He did not stop for three hours. At three wow. hours, I was starting to text his, his agent and saying, look, do I pull him off at this point? Really? You know, I was watching, we were recording it, and the poor camera guy was starting to do the pee dance. Like, he was <laughs> so bad, but he was in the middle of the room on an elevated platform. He couldn't do anything. He had to, he was just, and it was you know, six of us who were just kind of watching that poor guy. What do we do? And, uh, but he just was so wound up and he's so funny. He's a smart guy. And yeah, it was, it was a, for a non fan, it was a, I became a fan and it was a very, very cool experience. So yeah, I would say that one was, was definitely a high up among them. Pardon the pun. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Kent, go ahead, buddy. I, I, I had to ask that question, but go ahead. Buddy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah. So, so Steve, prior to, to making the big splash into uh, sport card expo, and you mentioned you've had your experience at fan expo. Was there anything prior to that, that kind of led you towards this path of doing, I guess, entrepreneurships in terms of promoting and doing shows like this? Like what led you to this side of the? Well, um, so I've been in the event business for a long time. Um, what, you know, I, I did a pretty corporate, like I did an MBA after university. Okay. And, you know, I went into banking and I sold for a while for Xerox. Um, and, you know, that didn't really sit with me from a, a lifestyle personality standpoint. So, you know, I, I left with a friend of mine to start a clothing company. He was in the music business. We were, I was in selling the Xerox and we yeah. went to the, to the, uh, the big bike show, um, uh, you know, big international bike show in Vegas and uh, kind of a similar thing. Uh, we were at the bike show, we had our booth set up and we had great cool product and who walks into the booth, but Anthony from the chili peppers. Oh, and, no way. <laughs> and again, I didn't recognize him. Obviously I knew who the peppers were, but, um, and my partner Ralph was usually a kind of obnoxious, uh, overbearing guy was like almost shaking. And he was white and he couldn't speak and everything else. And I said, what's going on? And he was just kind of pointing <laughs> at, uh, at, at Anthony. And so and another cool story. But So I got, that was what my first foray into the entrepreneurial world. And then uh, you know, that led to a number of, of things. Um, and I ended up doing a, uh, a race. I mean, I'm kind of athletic. I've been sort of a, a weekend warrior and stuff much of my adult life. And I ended up doing a race called Eco Challenge that was Mark Burnett's first Oh right, sure. Endeavor, and uh, so without all the you know, the long twists and turns, I ended up doing some work for Mark Burnett, and um, and that kind of got me into the event space and the entrepreneurial piece. So I did events for myself, I did events for others, and then that's what kind of morphed. I, so I've worked for everybody from IMG at the you know the big corporate end, oh, IMG, yeah. to myself and so on, and and so I've, along the way, I've gotten experience in a variety of different sectors, working for myself and and for others, and. Um, yeah, it, this just seems to be a good a good mix now. So I can speak to um, you know, C level executives as well as uh, you know, just empty the garbage or whatever needs to get done at the end of the show. So nice. I love how you you ride your so just so Steve flexes at the show. He rides a scooter and a, a, little, a little bike, not a little bike, a mountain bike. One time you're it was uh, someone's giving away the fat bike. Remember the Maple yeah. Leaf fat bike? So you were scooting around on that one, and that was fun. <laughs> But then I look over at Steve and I'm like, oh, I, why am I eating my Mars bar? Oh, my wife better not hear this. I'll just keep quiet. Um, so, <laughs> uh, sorry, Kent. You're, oh, okay. uh, 
So, so Steve, with the pandemic, you decided last year in 2020 to carry on the show on a virtual level. Why was that important to you? And why um, are you excited about the virtual expo continuing for this spring in 2021? Yeah, it was interesting because um, I was a bit of a late uh, a late adopter to the pandemic thing. So I was saying, you know, this is a... Uh, this is a bit of a it's a bad flu mm. so i didn't respond quickly um and one of the you know i've got some great uh, people that work with me on on producing these things and, and then he knows uh, mikey really well and uh, mikey's in the event business and has done the events himself and he's in the industry association so he had already done some research on virtual events and uh um it was a you know, we started to talk about well we should really do this with sport expo and i mm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's uh, the hobby's on fire. It, no better time to at least try it. Um, and I knew, again, I, every time I make, I'm looking to make a decision about what to do with the show. I first say, all right, how will dealers respond to this? Is this something dealers want? Um, you know, I, I and I go, kind of go down from there. But dealers are always my my first considered uh, stakeholders. Um, and so that defined for me what I needed in a platform and what I didn't want. Like, there's some really cool platforms where you've got. 3D and everybody gets their own avatar and it looks super cool, but it doesn't work with the dam, right? So um, we, we landed on the platform that we have used the last three shows yeah. and, or two shows and the, the Beckett and they'll be using again, and it works really well. And the, the main priority I had was the only re way I want to do this is if dealers can buy and sell and if people come in and buy and sell, it's got to be in that sense, like the, the expo um, and not wanting to jump too far ahead, but you know where I kind of went. Initially, I tried to replicate an in-person show, sure, um, and some elements work and some elements don't. Um, so, but that that part worked really well, and the, you know the platform that we use and everything else around it um, worked very very well. It was easy to learn, um, and then you know eBay has been been a partner for my for, from since before the virtual, but obviously they really. Um, leaned in on on the virtual because it's it's absolutely in their wheelhouse mm -hmm. and you know we've all seen what's happened in the hobby and with ebay specifically and and so uh, you know everyone has really embraced it and yeah we all want to be back to regular but until we can it's worked pretty well are, are you able to share with us some cool new features or promos that you have going on this time are you able to yeah. share with, with us yeah, yeah absolutely um so i mean just from a a functionality standpoint um you know, there's the great thing is that this this industry changes very very quickly so you know people that own the company that owns hopin has made some dramatic changes not the least of which is buying Streamyard. i mean the platform that you know we're on right now and that you're broadcasting right. from so there's some things like that there's some things that just make it much much easier uh, as you'll see when you know, when dealers get signed up they can start setting up their booth uh, right away versus uh, the last two shows they had to set it up you know, two days before the event started. And so that's a big deal. Uh, there are a lot more and um, and better links to integrate your Instagram page, your your eBay store, your web web store, um, your your uh, Twitter feed, all those things can be really easily integrated in. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so that works much, much better. Um, and then, you know, the, the piece when I just said a few minutes ago, some of the things don't translate as well. The best example of that is the athlete experience. Sure. I would have, you know, what I tried out of the guests, I got to have guests. If it's a show, if it's a sports yeah. show, I got to have guests. So 
you know, I spent some money against that that quite honestly did not did not pay off. And I, I to this day don't understand why, but I've seen it's been the same thing you know, with some of the comic cons. They've tried it. It hasn't worked. The virtual thing hasn't connected in the same way. I thought if someone's going to spend $100 on an autograph, why wouldn't they spend 100 or 150 to get a two-minute one-on-one video conversation with a you know a Phil Esposito or a yeah. or somebody, and I don't know, I, I can't answer that, but so far they haven't. Um, and the corollary of that is kind of what's really attracted people in terms of the sessions and the stage sessions going has been hobby talk. It's been you know listening to Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor. It's been right, right. Um, you know hearing the guys from Becca talk about grading or. Um, you know, all the hobby stuff, you know, the, the panels and, and, and that kind of thing. So um, there's a real appetite for anything hobby related. So, um, you know, it's I, I'm not going to force people to, to do the athlete thing. And, and some of this comes organically. So from the, the November show, one of my sponsors, um, collectible.com, which is, you know, the, the fractional, fractional ownership um, company that's really making, you know, incredible um waves since they've launched in the platform but they've done a deal with uh, with emmett smith he's one of their spokespeople and they announced that uh, on at my last virtual and emmett came on on stage and, and spoke and they had a great q a and he talked obviously about his career and so you know that experience is still there but uh, it's it's just different so um so, actually uh yeah i'm actually sharing your main page on screen just in case you don't see it so you can talk through it as well yeah, and this is kind of what you see when you when you first um, you first come in. It's kind of the, the landing page or the registration page, and you know, the, the ticket options are there on, on the right. And what you always what I learned is that I have to have a free admission option. Um, mm -hmm. kind of a, you know, just that was a big learning for me out of the, out of the first one. Um, and again, just something I thought of. You know, for the first show, I could have had maybe. 1,500, maybe 2,000 people charging admission. Sure. Um, I opted to go with a free admission, and I got something like 5,500, 5,600 people, which was you know much better for the dealers, much better for the sponsors, um, you know, and just you know, yeah, it cost me a little bit of money, but it uh, it was the the better decision to make. So I I keep that free option, but what I've been working on is creating packages that people want to buy. Right. So we've had uh, you know. For a twenty dollars package, you might get a ten dollars eBay coupon, and then you know two cards from Upper Deck or something. So that you know, people are willing to to spend that. So I think that's a better balance of uh, um, you know letting people you know if, if they just want to check it out, come and see. Um, so that's a big thing, and that's what you see here. Um, but going back to the the content piece and you know, the new things I'm excited about. Again, nothing is really proprietary that I'm doing, but I'm just kind of watching what what's happening in the hobby. Where mm -hmm. and how are people buying and selling? Um, and you know, a couple of things that I'm doing. Um, uh, one is what you know is the new kind of slab fest idea, and what that is is a uh, um, you know, it's and it, it came out of a problem that that I had. There you go. Thank you. Um, so it's basically you know there's so much emphasis on grading and buying and selling you know, slab cards, and they look so right. cool. Um, so that's what this is about, and what where this came out of is in the first show into a second, a smaller degree, the second show, there were a bunch of people that were coming in and they were just flooding and almost spamming the, uh, the event chat with I'm selling this, I'm selling that. And you know, pulling people to their own websites and that kind of thing. And we were, you know, 
I, again, you know, understandably, our dealers were upset. You know, our dealers were paid sure. to be there and working hard to be there. And these people were coming in trying to hijack that. And yet, instead of being punitive about it, I said, well, how can I, how can I help everybody? Because the dealers want to buy from these guys as much as those guys want to sell. Um, but how can I respect you know this? And so this was one way to do it. So this time uh, for the June show, every registered dealer will get one session in in Slabfest where they you know they've got three to five minutes to uh, to present all their slabs. Uh, there'll be kind of a split screen, so your contact info will be there, and you kind of go through and show as many or as few as you want uh, with that. Um, and then attendees that aren't dealers can purchase one of those uh, sessions oh, nice. as nice. well. So I think it's a it's a win win, and it, you know it's kind of like the you know the holes in the donuts becoming timbits, right? It can be either a negative experience, or you can turn it into something that's uh, that's really bad for you. Uh, or and, I mean, Evian does spell naive backwards, but that's a different story. <laughs> that's right. So and, and another thing is, and this is again, I mean, you'll probably laugh at me for this too, but um, I'm just you know I'm a subscriber to all the con hobby content that I can get. And I saw the video out of uh, Dallas that Jeff Wilson did where he's doing pack wars or pack battles, whatever right, right. it's called. And I'm thinking, hey, that's entertaining, you know? Um, so we're gonna be doing some of some of that. And I, you know, the first time I had to watch a box break, I gotta tell you, I, I, I thought I was gonna cry or fall asleep. I didn't know which one was gonna happen first. Now, that part of the hobby has changed dramatically. Like it's full on entertainment and guys are doing it really, really well. Yes. So it's evolved, but you know, something like the, you know, the pack wars is kind of taking it to the next level and it's, it's, it's content and it's entertainment. So yeah, we're doing that kind of thing as well, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. So. Excellent. Yeah. So you can see some uh, cool, uh, sorry, some cool cards here that people potentially could be featuring. Um, did you yeah. want to get into the, the cost breakdown just so people are aware of what it is? Uh, for the, the Slapfest portion? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as I said, if you're a dealer uh, and you register for a booth, you get uh, one session for free. You get that included, which you know is, I think is a, a pretty good bonus. Um, and you can buy additional sessions as well um, for 150 bucks for three minutes or 200 for five. Um, and if you're not a registered dealer, you can still buy those. Um, but they cost a little bit more. They're two twenty-five for three minute or two seventy-five for uh, for five minute. Um, and, and so, one of the other changes that I'm, I'm making is just in how I how we align the schedule. So I'm not going to try and overlay things. I want to make sure you know, the expo is still the key part of it. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, but the the kind of slab fest and the other those kinds of things are going to be coming part of the the main content. So when those Flatpass sessions are on, there won't be anything else competing against it other than the expo. So it'll be, uh, it'll draw good traffic. We'll be pushing traffic there. Um, so I, I think they'll be well received. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I think it's a really neat way to do it. And this is a perfect platform. Uh, so one of the things, uh, this is awesome. And I think people will gravitate towards this. But one of the things that we had forgotten earlier, and my apologies, because you did send me some of the artifacts to look at. Um, when we were talking about the VIP ticket package, uh, mm -hmm. I want to show real quick. Can you just touch up on oh, this yeah, really right. quickly because yeah. we missed this in the first yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, no problem. And this is what I was talking about when I said there's got to be a free admission, but I, these things, you know, still cost me money. It's just not, and I, I, I do a lot of work in charity, but I don't intend for this to be all charity. So this is how I, you know, we can start to make the business, uh, you know, uh, sustainable. And Upper Deck has been such a great partner, um, mm -hmm. and 
we talked about, we had great success from the November thing that we did with the uh, Lafreniere and Byfield cards and they were very well received. Um, and so this was actually intended to, to be the, what would have been the promotion for the May Expo that uh, um, Upper Deck would have done. So we started talking about what can we do this time? And uh, so um, the VIP ticket package this time will include these 12 cards that you see in the, in the Victory Black Rookie set. So um, that'll be an optional ticket purchase. Uh, and you can see the pricing there is 29 Canadian or 23 US plus shipping and handling. So, yes. which is, uh, yeah, again, I think it's a pretty great value for, uh, um, for the cards. And, and uh, you know, it'll be a, it's an expo uh, pre-release special. So. Um, I'll, uh, sorry, go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, no, I was, was going to say, so Upper Deck you know, continues to be a great, great partner for us to, uh, uh, to work with. And, you know, we've also got some, some great prizing, um, a lot of uh, uh, Conor McDavid signed memorabilia and even a Gretzky signed piece that we'll be using to, uh, to promote the show and, uh, and that kind of thing. So that's been a big part, frankly, of why we've uh, been able to generate good numbers of attendees is things like the contesting and the prizing. And, uh, and you know, the great thing about um, all, the, all the companies in the hobby, they're all doing well and they all wanna support the hobby. So, um, yeah, this just makes good sense for everybody, and uh, so I'm, I'm happy to say it, it's working well. So the one thing I will tell everyone who's watching, this is in Canadian prices, as you can see. It also has U.S. prices in here. Yep. And another thing to note, $29 Canadian or $23 U.S., probably cheaper than a box break, probably cheaper than, <laughs> than uh, going into a group break, probably cheaper than a lot of things, so all things considered. It's not a bad price for a group of rookies to get here. So I want—I would be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, show this. I want to make sure everyone's aware. Um, and actually, this time around, do like the physical show. Are they getting the lanyard? They're going to have the lanyards for the physical show, or are you doing anything for the virtual for that, or no? Uh, well, not doing lanyards for the virtual, but which yeah. I mean, but I again, the, the lanyards were one of the things that were kind of a a borrow from the Comic Con world because lanyards right. are a That's big great. deal and. Uh, Again, it's nothing that hadn't been done, you know, at the national or other shows before. But it's a it's a great chance, and, and people collect. You know, they collect lanyards. You know, I had one guy, unfortunately, who passed away uh, last year, was one of the dealers for the longest time. But he had a collection of every one of the, uh, it was multiples of every one of the, the show programs back from the the very first launch. So, and you know, he was kind enough to give those to me, uh, um, you know, before he passed. So I've you know, I've now got that history and uh, um, yeah it's really neat uh, neat stuff so I actually have uh, you know I don't know if, you, if you guys remember this but I, there was the uh, wow work at Expo Zamboni cool. a couple of those things and uh, um, oh wow yeah so um, yeah no it's just that's that's the neat part of this and so I, I am trying to create those uh, great value things if you're a four-day pass holder at Fan Expo you also see those great bags and I'd love to bring those bags and that kind of thing in it's just the challenge is just around, you know, it's, it's getting the rights to the images and, and that kind of thing. And it's, well, it's Steve, not I, easy. I've even, seen people, I've even seen people at past shows, they'll, they'll trade the lanyard cards. Yeah. I've seen on the floor, but they're trading. <laughs> well, I have guys coming up to me, hey, can I buy the extra? Oh, they... <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. I, I traded for a staff one. I wanted yeah. a staff one. So. Yeah, you collect all six or whatever. Yeah. Right. right. And trust me, you feel like a big ham when you're asking someone in the staff if you can have their lanyard and they look at you like, what are you, three? Um, so it's a bit strange. And the other thing I wanted to um, – actually, you know what, Steve, you could do for the 
physical show is you can have a uh, not lanyard. You can give everyone sports card expo face mask, and come people can have buy and sell on it. You can just put it on like you could theme it. So remember, yeah. If you're a collector, you get a collector one. If you're a seller, you get a seller one. If you're a like we see, it'd be like Two Face or something. It could be this side. It could be. There's lots of options. I, I've gotten plenty of bad ideas. Just like, you know. <laughs> Dude, um, Steve, did you catch our Lego show? No, no, I didn't actually. With that, so Jeremy was uh, actually on there quoting or toting that somebody should create a uh, sport card expo Lego logo. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's and, and again, I had some exposure to the Lego um, fandom in uh, in my Comic Con days. So it's again another very passionate group of fans and collectors. So, yeah. So one of the things we wanted to talk about, uh, we touched upon it before in our show with you. I believe it was you. Yeah, you with you and Jeremy uh, on Sports Cars Live. We're talking about the sponsors. I want to talk about. Okay, so what sponsors you have this time around? I'm going to share this the screenshot of the sponsors. You want to talk about them real quick because some may be new, some may be old. There might be something that jars your memory in terms of what they're doing. So let me just share that real quick, and you can talk about it. Yeah, some of this hasn't even been fully updated uh, yet, but uh, you know, right out of the gate, I mean, eBay has been a uh, you know a presenting supporting partner of ours from the get go, and they, um, you know, I've heard eBay take a lot of uh, a lot of flack from collectors mm -hmm. over the past couple of years. Sure. Um, you know, and I understand where it's coming from, um, and it's part of being the you know the the underground gorilla in any in any business. I think, but I, I give them full marks because I think they're being super responsive um, and they're addressing it. But they're they're really great uh, people to work with, and and they're collectors. Like we, the, the folks that we have that, that we deal with are are really passionate about the space, they're passionate about what they do, and they're re really great. They're open minded, um, and again, this fits exceptionally well um so and it, it just makes sense you know ebay is the de facto you know, benchmark for anybody um anybody looking to price not just in our hobby but pretty much anything um and uh, so they're they're great to work with and they're uh you know they're fully on board for this um you know and then we have what i'll call the usual suspects but the you know, the, the card companies have been great. You know, Upper Deck is is best known for my physical show because the in-person show because of, you know, it's Canada, it's hockey. But, uh, you know, I've been doing more and more with, with Tops and Panini, especially as you know, basketball, baseball, um, and so on have continued to grow and, and do well in this country, as well as all the other uh, properties that they have, uh, soccer, F1, uh, UFC, uh, WWE. So um, they've all done well. And then through the you know, the two great distributors in Canada, Universal in particular, uh, distribution. Um, again, guys that really, really support the hobby and you know, they, they back um, what I'm doing and uh, you know, they support their dealers right the way through. So super happy to be working with all those. Um, Beckett is a um, great media partner. They're, you know, they're been at the show as well doing rock hard reviews. And um, so, all these folks are really great to work with some of the, so I, I always want to maintain those relationships and, and build them, but there's so much happening in this space right now, as you guys know, with you know, new companies. And, and that's a big part of what's so exciting right now is that whenever a hobby or an industry attracts you know, so much new attention, you know, new companies and new technologies come in and you know, whether that's a company like Com C, which is not new, but right. uh, you know, their business is blown up. And uh, again, a great company that really understands uh, and is based on the collector mentality. So, you know, they're 
they're involved. The collectible guys are super great to work with. I'm starting to work with other new companies like uh, Loop, uh, Loop the app, which is you know not in Canada yet, but will be uh, will be shortly. And uh, you know my slab and uh, a lot of these new companies are are really really exciting. And um, and then of course all the dealers. Um, you know it's some dealers get it and you know some that i didn't think would surprise me and have really embraced it um but yeah it's uh the good thing is the ones that haven't embraced it have just said look we can't even keep up with what we're doing so we can't we can't sell more because we can't even manage what we've got so um, oh again, by the way just so everyone everyone is aware 99 goals are cardboard culture it's been sponsored by cardboard culture so they're going to be at the show just so you know that we we have our own little banner here, so we're sponsoring. Um, just full uh, disclosure, we are ninety nine goals. Um, <laughs> so we're we're sponsored by our own channel, and Jeremy's got sports cars live channels here just to show you. And I'm just doing a bit of a walkthrough of who's yeah, here. Yeah, this, um, yeah, yeah, it's a real, it's a real good mix, and I really uh, I, I strive to have a good representation of of all sports and non sports, of vintage and modern, and. Uh, um, yeah, and just be represented. There's, there's not, not just cards, obviously, but memorabilia. Um, so it's whatever you would see at, you know, at, at the national or at my regular show. Um, you know, it's pretty much represented at, at the virtual. Can you speak to uh, your autograph guests yet, or not yet? Uh, well, I, I can in that uh, it's it's not been a focus of mine. So as I said, the last two shows, I you know, I, I felt I needed to start with that and. Sure. Uh, um, it's actually I'm making the decision not you know if if somebody wants to be there and it's um, you know, it's something it's a quote unquote a deal that that works uh, for everybody where right. they either want to promote something or that's what I'm that's what I'm looking for but quite honestly it's just it's just pushing rope uphill to say okay um, you know, let's get a a Johnny Busick or um, some of that to, to come in and, because they don't they haven't made that um that shift and and i understand why like it's uh and and i get it they don't want to do things on on spec which one either but uh um you know we've had some really interesting guests and that's what i try and find you know i was pretty who was i oh bushwhacker luke oh yeah <laughs> so i i had very low expectations for him and i gotta admit what an entertaining guy he was They're just a super super great storyteller i mean wasn't you know super uh um appropriate for underage kids but uh it was <laughs> definitely you know great storytelling and again that's what these things are, are all about right so um so my focus is on more hobby content than player player content um so uh, well i'm not I'm not saying there won't be any it, it hasn't been what i've felt the need to lead with awesome awesome yeah um so can't have been uh, as usual in every show i have to say this at least once i'm hogging the mic so I'll let you get the next set of questions. Uh, sure. Uh, can you say how many virtual vendors we have this time? Has it increased from last year? I don't know if that's something you want to release or not. If it's not, that's fine. You don't have to yeah, answer. No, and it's, it, no problem. I mean, it's still, it's still kind of early. So um, for both shows, we've had you know, approximately 50 vendors, you know, plus or minus you know, four to five. Right, okay. Um, and, and, and then some others. Um, I you know I, th I think the mix is going to be a little bit different this time. There are a lot more new collectors as opposed to traditional dealers, and a lot more breakers and that kind of thing that that we're going to see. Um, you know, one of the things that I I point to is that um, if you look at if you're a numbers person, uh, mm -hmm. the first two shows 
when you figure I had roughly a quarter of the number of dealers um, as the regular show with half the number of fans. So the, right. the number of, of attendees or collectors per dealer is way up. So I'm, I'm absolutely bringing the horses to water and it's, you know, it, it's up to you guys to make them drink. Um, but it's, <laughs> but from that standpoint, it's really good. And it, it gets everybody. So I don't want it to get too big, to be honest, because I, I want to make sure, again, that those that are there do well. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, again, I'm focused on getting that right that right mix. And uh, so I think it'll be probably similar to the last one and, and maybe more. But uh, yeah. Um, awesome. Great. Um, Steve, are there any, like some of the feedback that we heard last year was, well, at least from attend attendees, uh, which was when somebody entered one of the virtual dealer rooms, they weren't there. It was just a sign directing them to like some link or, or go to my eBay page. Is there any talk about trying to address that this year? So that maybe that we can get more real people and physically in front of the camera versus just. Yeah. 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 No, and I, you know, it's, it's something that I saw from the very first show and, um, this is not a fallback answer, but yeah, yeah sure. If, if you go to, and it's, I use the national only because I go to the national and I look as opposed to my show where I'm obviously right. I'm operating and running. So I make, look at different things. Um, but half the guys, you know, a portion of the guys you'll see are you know, standing up and they're, they're rearranging their cards and they're engaging and talking. The other half are sitting on the chair, you know, um, eating a, a sandwich and spilling ketchup and, you know, and almost not even caring if, if anybody's there. That's, kind of no different than what you what you have seen at, at some of the virtuals. Um, and I don't care if it's an in-person show or a virtual show or in this hobby or any other business, um, you got to do two things. You got to work on your product and you got to work on your presentation. Yeah. Um, and so that's, we're trying to help educate and support the dealers to do that. And oh, great. You know, again, if you're an independent guy, you can't be in front of the screen or eight hours a day, you've got to go take a bathroom break or you might just need to recharge, whatever it is you, you need. So we're trying to give them other ways. And that's where I said a lot of the enhancements to the Hopping platform now is that not only can you have the screen where you're seeing kind of what we see now with, with you talking, the dealer talking to several people, but you can scroll on down below it where you can be doing slideshows or, or, or video clips or a Google, Google Docs link to your collection with pricing and uh, or a link to your Instagram page. So. There should never be any reason why they're watching you, um, you know, eat lunch or they're looking at a hand-printed cardboard. <laughs> right. So that's just, you know, it's just not good uh, self-promotion. So it's yeah, it's interesting because having so now I will be this will be the third time. Is this the third one? The yeah. third one. Right? Yeah. So having the first one, it was like. You know, getting you were talking to like a one-way mirror, and I was like, yeah. and you know, people are there because you can yeah. see the number, right? Yeah. And you're like, I'm over here. You can come in. Eventually, you know, people, you know, bit the bullet will come in and start talking. By the second one, you had more people able to come on. Uh, by the third people, one, and, and people, on. people are less intimate. So, I mean, one and I did this kind of the same thing at back at Summit. Is sometimes you just want to go in and see what's there. Right, right. Um, but again, a, a dealer who's in a booth needs to at least acknowledge you. So they should at least just say, hey, welcome to the booth. If you have any questions, let me know. Just as somebody would, you walk into a retail store, you want to be acknowledged. Uh, you may not want to go on camera and that kind of thing, and that's fine. Um, but that's, again, those are the kinds of some of the tips and tricks that we uh, we give people to uh, uh, to do. But um, these other things enable you to do that. And we're enhanced other things too. Like when you sign up, you, you 
put in key uh, tags, keyword tag searches so that here's what you're selling, what you're buying. Okay. So somebody can then search on those. And, you know, if you don't have a pre-war hockey, then they're not going to bother with you or w whatever it is. So For sure. those kinds of refinements we've been making along the way. So we want to just quickly, we're at the hour mark, Steve. We have a, about five or six more questions. We'll go through those if you're okay yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, got a couple of supporters from the crowd. So our buddy Eli from Little Shop of Heroes is here. He wants to give you some street cred. So as a longtime supporter and expo attendee, keep up the great work, Steve. You're breathing life back into the show. Kudos to you and your team. I second that, and I'm sure Kent does as well. And uh, we have a, this 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 loiterer here, Barry Ma. Who he, is. Guy? <laughs> he may he may be some guy I'd come okay. see. Apparently, they're doing something. I don't know what, but Barry. Uh, you know what? I was I was just about to uh, to to compliment um, Barry and uh, another one of the vendors' um, framework because you you talk about the guys that maybe have the cardboard sign, and then right. you have guys at the other end like Barry and the ComC team or framework guys that really make it super engaging. And and ComC set the the record. At the last show for the most number of, of uh, fan engagements, um, you know, because they're putting the time in and, and they're uh, they're doing fun and engaging stuff for people, and it, and it pays off. And similarly, Frameworth, you know, I've got some you know, screenshots, and I, I the great thing about digital is I can I, I get all of this information. I, I I can tell you how many people spend how much time in in your booth and and, and that sort of thing. So um, it's a it's a big reflector of what you've got and how you present it. Um, for sure, and very pays off. Barry's another one that, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I probably wouldn't have been able to call him a friend either. We talk quite often, so um, I'm also a huge supporter of ComC. So I'm looking forward to what they do. Although as a dealer, we don't have time to spread out of our booth that often. The one similarity I will tell you, at the real show and at the virtual, I cannot leave my booth. Yeah, yeah no. It's like everyone's like, "Did you go walk around?" No, <laughs> no, I don't have time to walk around. Are you crazy? Yeah. No, it's, it's a good sign. And that's part of why I want to do some of these other initiatives as well. Is I don't want to program everything, but I do want to, I, I want to support and encourage the kind of community stuff that happens, you know, whether it's the Thursday night drinks or the, you know, so you talk about the trade night, trade night, you know, something, we, we did a trade night at the last virtual. You know, we're, um, again, I'll, if it's okay, I'll jump ahead to this one topic about the November show. Uh, sure. I'm optimistically planning for a November show. Uh, I'm creating all kinds of contingency plans, as you can imagine, I, I would have to. In fact, I've got a, a call tomorrow with the convention center. Um, but one of the things that I'm doing, it didn't start as this, but I'm, I'm adding a, uh, a fourth day, uh, if you will, to the show. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot along the lines of what the National does right. uh, with a preview. So it'll be a, a Thursday evening uh, preview, four or five hour block of time for dealers and, and VIP ticket holders. Um, so, but it also, I mean, there's, you know, I can explain it as, okay, this was a COVID initiative where I've got to spread the attendance or whatever, but it's just, I think there's going to be all that pent up demand where people are either going to want to go, going to want to network or they're going to want to right. buying and selling and having that first look see. So I think there'll be great demand and support for it. So those kinds of things are, are what I'm working on. You're probably right about that, Steve, because like the Dallas show has been going on for quite a couple of times now. Yeah. And I think just people in Canada alone are just all bent up and they want to get to a show. Yeah. Yeah. So to your point, if you add, add an extra day, I think the pent up demand for people wanting to get out there, it's going to be be well uh, received. Received. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it will. 
I'm so pretty far. sure it's going to be very tough for you to do social distance trading. So you're going to have to like actually enforce it and make them stand two feet apart. Flicking of cards, yeah. Flick the cards, like <laughs> yeah. the base cards. Actually, you know, I might do that. Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I know we we skipped a few steps and we've covered yeah. a few things already. Let's see. There's a couple of things that we wanted to get into. So I think Kent, we can probably get into the number of people that attended. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's um, you know, it. it uh, I mean, I'll, I won't tell that story. It's not really that relevant. But so with the two shows from last year, we had a little over ten thousand um, people attend. Oh, awesome! Uh, and it was almost evenly split. So it, it worked out to about ninety-five percent of the attendees were evenly split between Canada and the U.S. Wow. The other five percent were international. So you know, the as we're all becoming, uh, getting to know the, the guys from from Cherry. Uh, in in Australia, they they've been big fans, and and they're actually going to be part of the the June virtual. Uh, we, oh, we've, great! That's we, awesome. We've got guys from the UK, and uh, so quite a lot of upper deck was telling me stories about talking to people from from Finland and and that kind of thing. That uh, yeah. you know, and, and again, that's one thing that upper deck you know, they're in the uh, they're attending the events and they're talking to the people. And uh, we didn't talk about you know the the networking feature, but uh, allows people to chat directly. You can set up private video conversations. All that kind of stuff. So it's a it's a pretty robust system that way. But uh, um, yeah. What other uh, cool data points can you share with us? For example, like besides foot traffic, is there anything you can share with us? For example, I just think of one. I work in advertising and tech, so I think of these things. Yeah. So an example for me would be uh, average uh, t- uh, viewership time within a booth. Would it increase the average from show to show to show? Like. You know that kind of stuff. Was the aban- was there an abandonment rate high or low? Like, just curious on that. Yeah. Well, again, it's it's the kind of stuff that I try but can't really do effectively at uh, at the in person show. You know, especially. I mean, the hardest thing for me was even selling advanced tickets. I mean, the culture for um, the in person show is you know I'll pay cash at the door and that kind of thing. And um, so I'm trying to build a you know a, a database so I can understand and communicate with people better. And and they don't necessarily want to do that. They still want to. Now, again, I may be forced to, or one of the things I need to do is to, to push towards um, no cash for tickets so people have to pre-buy, or I don't know yet. That's, it's too early to say, but um, but there's you know, those those kinds of things that are um, part of the, the behavioral change. Um, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought on that. Uh, hit me again with the question. Basically, we can tell it's, it's, it's oh, 10 the metrics. o'clock. metrics. Yeah, we're talking about metrics. I don't want to keep you too long. You know, the, the metrics, the, the primary thing has been, as I was mentioning with the, the ComC and framework examples, is the amount of minutes per uh, per booth. So uh, I get that report and I can can see it. And and uh, the number of minutes and the number of interactions, uh, like a collector interactions that each booth has. And uh, you, know, you when you see the, the reports, the you know, ComC has consistently been you know, blowing that away. Similarly, uh, you know, you can tell at any point in time how many people are in which booth, whether they're watching the stage show or whether they're in the, you know, this booth or that booth. Um, you know, and then you, we can see the amount of event chats. Um, and so some of those things have you know, been able to leverage uh, better. And then, frankly, to, to turn those around, it's the dealer say, well, how can I get messaging out? Well, we've got, uh, we've learned that we can we can utilize the chat feature and, uh, right, right. Um, you know, and, and position it as, a, as an asset to promote and, and give that you know, access to everybody. But same thing, when we do this Slotfest piece, we'll be able to see how many people watched each one. You'll have the, you know, Each dealer or collector will get a, 
the, the raw footage because it's all being recorded. Um, you know, and I didn't mention things like you know, all the main stage sessions and session room sessions can all be uh, pushed out onto other platforms. So you could be simultaneously um, broadcasting it on Facebook Live or uh, YouTube or you know, Twitch, that, that kind of stuff. So um, that's just the, the, the beauty of anything that's uh, you know, web-based. So For sure. For yeah. sure. Sorry, we, go ahead, Ken. Yeah. So, Steve, before we're, as we're getting closer to, to closing out the show, uh, before we do that, can you explain to the audience about your white glove services? I'm sure not everybody knows about it. Uh, that'd be great if you could talk touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's something, again, it's uh, uh, it's something that I, I kind of um, built out of, I'll call it, I don't know, necessity, but uh, you know, because I had all this uh, you know, free time and uh, <laughs> I wanted to, you know, I, I listened to other people in the hobby, and, and I right. remember who I think it may have actually been uh, again Jeff Wilson or somebody like that that just said, you know, in or it might have been Gary Vee, but saying, you know, look in looking for opportunities, understand the behavior of your sure. customers, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it's all about that. And just it's you know, you'd have to be living under a rock to not follow what's been happening in the grading part of the hobby. Um, and so I just kind of we started to talk about different different components of what I'm calling uh, collector services. So, okay. you know, from a, you know, and it meets marketing guy and you guys can appreciate this is um, how do you, how do you build your business? And one thing the pandemic has taught me is that I'm kind of, I'm kind of exposed um, in the large event business. So, <laughs> you know, well, I don't, I can be maybe forgiven for not having predicted a pandemic. Um, doesn't mean that I have to, to keep my business uh, you know, solely focused on in-person. Sure. So, yeah. uh, so, and again, it's how can I better serve clients and, and add more value and, and frankly get more value. So um, I started to look at the grading uh, space and where can I play in that uh, while still you know, not eating my, my dealer's lunch and, you know, and, right, right. and respecting that. So I just started to talk about the problems with, with grading. And, and again, it kind of came organically where um, we had a, a, a mutual uh a friend of a friend approach and say, I've got all these cards and I want to get them graded. Can you, can you help? And, you know, it turns out he had, you know, 30 odd, you know, modern cards, like you know, one of five Lucas or yeah. all really, really high value. And I said, you said, well, why don't we, we go and do this? And I have relationships with these companies through you know, the expo. Right. And yeah, we can, we can offer this service to you. We'll take these down. We'll, we'll get them graded for you. We'll, we'll handle them front to back. But, um, and then, you know, we'll, <laughs> Will offer as a service. So I did two trips um, earlier this year, and they were kind of initially experimental trips to work out not if they work out the bugs, but uh, to see how it worked and if there were any things that we were missing. But uh, again, even part of diving into that was, uh, and I don't mean to strike fear in it, but I was shocked. I'm shocked at how many collectors are underinsured, how many collectors right. don't have uh, digital records of their collection, um, and how many collectors send their cards to be graded uninsured or underinsured? And, you know, thankfully there, there's not been many problems to speak of, but, uh, you know, I, those are only increasing. So um, basically the white glove service is a concierge, some concierge service where we manage that process for you from literally from door to door. So, you know, in the GTA, we pick up the cards you know, from you. We, uh, you know, we take them to the grader. They, they, Fly with me uh, on, on board. They're not checked baggage. They they never leave my hands from uh, you know, the time I leave here to the time I'm uh, 
you know, at the handing them over to uh, PSA or Beckett or whoever the. So you know, sorry, Steve, for one sec. So it's actually yeah. yourself and not somebody representing you. It's yourself that's. Yeah, doing yeah, it? no, it's it's oh, me. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, I've done I've done two trips. So I've had I've been um, uh, COVID tested and quarantined probably more than <laughs> half, the, half the hobby this year. Um, but it's it's worked out and it's improving my relationships with with collectors and with uh, um, you know, with the grading companies as well. And uh, yeah, people say, well, geez, it's at least. 300 bucks us to grade a card and um you know plus your fee and everything else and yes but you know i'll, I'll speak to the first client he's okay. he sold uh, several six-figure cards and he's got one that he's looking at getting seven figures for so for the right person and the right cards it's a great service um, oh, excellent yeah and so, so we've known yeah we know people personally that have used the service and just so everyone knows these pictures in here are actual submissions so just so you're aware, these are not someone yeah. else's collection. This is cards that Steve has actually taken and returned and gotten a grade for. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've got, I've, I've, I'd have to count exactly, but I think there's 15 collectors so far, uh, collectors and some dealers that I've taken cards for. And so you know, there's all kinds of references now that, uh, that I can provide people that are interested. And in. I, you know, I sent out this email blast on Friday and I got quite a number of inquiries of people just wanted to know how it works and, yeah, I had some that just oh, I didn't realize that's what it was, and you know, thinking I was another bulk submitter and so on. Um, but so this is a different piece; it doesn't apply for everyone. But I am, as you can see here, I'm doing another trip in June. You know, I, mm -hmm. I don't right. know that they formally announced it. Yeah, I didn't see a formal announcement, but it looks by all accounts that the national is on. So I opted to create another trip uh, in advance of that if people are looking to have cards graded uh, pre-national. Um, also. So yeah. Um, just so everyone's aware, st Steve's contact details are here. Is Steve Menzi and one eight 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 four six six seven one one six toll free. And of course, you can always reach him at sales at sportcardexpo.com. I can personally attest to the service. I know people have sent cards and received them back, and they're very happy with it. Um, I think it's a service that'll continue to take off. Uh, I do think that you should create some sort of like cheesy, you know, that guy that gets the cash for gold. You should do something like that with, uh, with, with your cards. Steve. Russell Oliver, yeah. Steve, yeah. So I see you here you've got uh, CSG, PSA, and Beckett. Yeah. Now, is that the three that you're kind of hitting up for clients then? Uh, sorry, not th those are the three that I've done trips. Yeah, that, exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah but I'm, I'm also, uh, you know, I'm um, looking to work with the SGC. And then, of course, you know, I I work uh, as well with the companies domestically, but there's really no value add that I can provide to KSA and MNT. We're, we're both you know, great companies and great supporters of the expo. Um, but the you know th this is a, a service, frankly, that is has grown out of a um, just a gap in the, uh, in right. the yeah for sure. And you know, kind of a related thing that I'm doing um, is you know, what I spoke to earlier. I get calls every month, and I have since I started the show. Mm -hmm. You know, say a it's a it's a woman whose husband passed and left this, you know, boxes or cupboards full of cards and she doesn't know what to do with it. And you know, there's another list, so it's 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 not properly documented. So I started to think, well, whether it be for estate planning, insurance purposes, or even just to facilitate buying and selling, uh, I'm starting to offer collection digitization services as well, where we're oh, doing, nice. yeah, nice. Uh, collection scanning and digitizing, so that you can then you know through a, a software package like Cronosio, you can. Uh, upload it all and change pricing in a in a flash and, and have a, an API that feeds up into your eBay store and so um, that's kind of part of the new business model but it's a it's also a fee for service uh, opportunity that uh, 
again, that was stuff that literally just came out of, you know, I'll, I'll find two or three books after each show of people's, I need this, these 12 cards and here's, my, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know how people do it, but um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this. It's been well-received. Um, again, it's a, it's, it's a, a niche uh, yeah, for sure. I would say, Steve, to your point earlier, um, I would say there's a lot of collectors out there that do not have digitized copies or insure their stuff. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Yeah. So if this service that you're going to provide, I think, is going to cover a, a pretty good niche, too. Yeah. No, yeah Steve, you, go ahead. I have to, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, I look at other things. I mean, Beckett started offering collectible uh, collectors insurance and so on, and I've approach them right out of the gate, but it's not yet available here. And, uh, you know, any of you who um, attend my show, you'll remember a few springs ago when the roof literally blew off the- Yeah, I remember that. Set. I mean, thank, thankfully it was over the um, the autograph portion, but could you imagine, and the rain had stopped, but could you imagine if that was over, you know, Jason Martin- and, Right, right. And, and Len Potty and, and BMW, and just the, un, the countless thousands of dollars that would have been uh, destroyed. Um, so. Yeah, all these things that I think about. That uh, how can I make it make it better and build my business in the process. So just so everyone knows, Steve wants to change his white glove to a sequin glove with all the bling he's going to get. Um, and also, I think that Steve, what you should do is should have a counter that shows the dollar value of all the cards that you're submitting and what's coming back. I think that would be cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Be like the McDonald's sign over with two billion hamburgers. <laughs> so the before and the after valuation. Well, would be super yeah. Cool. I, I think that would be a really neat uh, thing. So something I thought of again. I'm a marketing guy, so I think it's silly things like this. Yeah. Um, we're at the we're at the hour over at the hour mark. I just want to do a quick couple of recaps. So just for everyone listening, the whole person purpose of the show was to bring Steve on to talk about the Sports Card Expo, the virtual yeah. edition, and the live version. That's I've right. got up on screen at the Sports Card Expo uh, virtual edition is June nineteenth and twentieth. Yeah, June nineteenth and twenty uh, yeah. coming up uh, in about three four weeks. Um, please go to the website, thesportcardexpo.com, to find out anything to do with timing, pricing, or whatever may have you. We'll put links at the bottom of our videos. You can go there. Um, of course, the I'm being hopeful. I'm a biologist background, so I'm going to not be pessimistic <laughs> today. Um, we're hoping that we're going to see the four-day Sport Card Expo in November, 11, November 11th to 14th. Uh, that's actually not that far away. Um, can't wait to see that happen, so I just want to make sure we call that out. Also, if you want to get a hold of Steve, Please reach out to sales at sportcardexpo.com. He's more than gracious to answer emails. After all, he's become friends with me only because I bug him so much. So let's <laughs> right. um, wanted to end up one thing I wanted to say on the show at the end. Sorry, at the end of every show, we always want to ask the guest one question, and we're going to ask you the question, and you will not be spared. So I want to ask you, what inspires you, Steve? Ooh. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And uh yeah, it's kind of funny where I, I, I um, so my family, it, and I, I went on a little bit of a, a journey there, but uh, I think as, as fathers, you can appreciate that. But so that's, that's key. Um, yeah, I just think life's, life's too short. It's, uh, yeah, how can, how can I you know, live better, um, you know, do more, experience more? I, I'm, I, I'm not a collector in the traditional sense, but we all collect something. I, I collect experiences. I'm, I'm kind of an adventure guy, and I, um, you know, I, I look at things as an adventure. And uh, so, yeah, I'm inspired to do to do more, to do better, and 
and do to wring every everything I can out of uh, of my time here. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, uh, for you. joining us, especially on short notice. It was just like <laughs> we just thought we're like, oh, why don't we do this? So we really appreciate you coming on short notice. We'll make sure we put all the links. Kent, did you yeah. want to end with any comments? Uh, no, uh, other than the fact that we appreciate Steve, we appreciate the Sport Card Expo. We're huge, uh, as you know, uh, participation participators at the show yeah. uh, when it's live as well as virtual. So again, thank you, Steve, for coming on tonight and explaining to the audience uh, about the new show coming up and then the virtual show as well coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, we appreciate you having uh, being on here tonight. So thank you very much. Well, thanks, thanks okay. for the opportunity. Thanks for the platform, and again, just thanks for. For what you guys do to make the, the hobby and the expo so uh, that's so great so i'll continue to support you in that so hang out there for a second we're going to yeah. sign off the show um and just so you know we'll bring steve back again in the very near future sure. to either talk about the real show or the post show we'll probably be talking about the show on jeremy's channel i'm sure there'll be lots of places we'll be talking about the show and i wasn't kidding about your sequin glove we're going to get you the sequin glove that's going to happen it's great because my daughter is super into michael jackson right now so <laughs> oh, there you go there you go all right folks all right, everyone. the impromptu show on a wednesday instead of tuesday we'll talk to you all soon bye now <laughs>